We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to the Advanced Sports Analytics Show here on Roto Grinders, brought to you by Jock Market. Stop throwing your money away. It's time to check out Jock Market, the app where daily fantasy becomes a stock exchange. Buy and sell shares of players in real time for real money. Download now for a 100% deposit match up to $50 using the promo code GRINDERS. And get this, if you don't turn a profit this week, Jock Market is running back their first market guarantee to cover your losses this week. So download Jock Market in the app or play stores or check out jockmarket.com, J-O-C-K-M-K-T.com and use the code GRINDERS for a 100% deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit. And also remember this Saturday, January 8th is an exciting time for New York residents. Sports betting is coming and it's coming fast. Fret not for Roto Grinders has all the information you need. Find a link for more information in the description or simply go to the Roto Grinders homepage. Navigate to the sports betting tab and click New York. You can find a list of all sports books available, all relevant promotional offers, and a whole lot more. So go to rotogrinders.com to the sports betting tab as we welcome New York as a legal sports betting state. Uh, I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blenderhead, Blender HD. If you want to follow me there on Twitter, joined by Stuart Gibson, the man behind the numbers and the dials and the hamster wheels at Advanced Sports Analytics for our final show of the year. I know we missed out last week. Uh, I mean, it's it, there's been snow, there's been COVID, there's been travel, there's everything, there's chaos going on. 
but uh, we, we come to the final slate of the season. Is, is it, uh, Stuart, is week 18 or whatever the last, it used to be week 17, uh, the most frustrating slate since we, since a lot of teams will be kind of resting some of their starters, possibly inactives that maybe we may not know until uh, 90 minutes before. Is, is it, is it a little bit uh, like we're, we're, we're recording on Friday Normally Fridays, it's like, okay, we kind of have a lot of the information. Sometimes something sh- shows up on Saturday, but it feels like for this slate, like I, I may not make any decisions till Sunday, till 90 minutes before lock on Sunday morning till we see if some of some of these players are, are either going to be limited or possibly inactive altogether. Yeah, well, I will caveat that with the fact that we haven't had an easy slate i think all of december i mean they've all been pretty wacky for like the past month um but yeah i think it's like a week where uh like at least our our projection system i i I trust a lot of other projection systems are quantitative in nature using some sort of model some sort of statistical quantitative model um and like these models work under a set of assumptions that um, I don't know, I would say just become kind of out of whack uh, for week 18. So I do think it's like one week where um, I don't know, projections are probably not going to be able to like a computer is not going to be able to capture uh, some of these nuanced uh, really uh, infrequent circumstances that, that are going to contribute with some of these teams, you know, players potentially, playing two to three quarters only uh you know you can do some stuff with like controlling for players rushing target market share stuff like that uh but i do think there are some uh unique uh factors or parameters that that really come into play with this week that are difficult to grasp uh with the model you know you talk people always want to talk about some of the motivation things and like from just a model development standpoint it's really tough to account for some of these like motivation um risk of i i guess like players playing incomplete games uh you know we we have really limited data to to train off of and kind of define uh models off of and i do think it makes it a week where um you know maybe relying a little less on projections and um trusting kind of uh gut or you know you're maybe if you have kind of a, a very nuanced understanding of team dynamics and kind of what the motivation factors are uh the the relative risk of players i guess putting together like incomplete uh games uh leaning on that i think could be could be of value obviously some of the stuff is absorbed you know you do see totals relatively low this week and i think that is probably due to some teams with you know starters unlikely to play uh, or, or at risk of not playing the full uh, four quarters, but uh, I still think there are kind of some some blind spots in a heavily quantitative model uh, with with some of these, I guess, end of season week eighteen, week seventeen, and previous year uh, slates. Is the issue that you can't use like motivation as a covariate, uh, very yeah. similar to to small sample sizes? Me like like you can't just say like well one team has motivation, one team doesn't have motivation. Or, or you have these bonuses. Like if he just gets 120 yards, it's like you can't apply them across the board because in certain cases, maybe they try to get him that. And maybe certain cases, they don't care as much. Like you can't just immediately go towards like all of those incentives and go, well, this guy, if he rushes for 100 yards, he gets a 
a bonus. It's like, well, what happens if they want to rest him? What happens if they want to use the third running back instead? Like there's all these competing uh, factors that it's very similar in, uh, in baseball to BVP, like batter, batter versus pitcher, where like it is a factor, like we say with motivation, like, yes, if this team wants to get this guy the record, like they're probably going to be passing to him a lot more. Uh, but you can't just say that across the board because you don't know when it is or when it's not. So it's like BVP exists, but the sample size makes it so that, well, do you trust that it, with this batter in this picture, you can't kind of just like across the board, use it as a covariate for your, for your model in general. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, how do you ingest that? You know, it's, uh, it's not like perceived kind of, uh, shortcomings or you know motivation are, are going to be applied like unilaterally across all teams all players all positions and all weeks of all seasons uh you know i think there as we're there are other covariates that that probably do have more uh like unilateral weight or application you know stuff like pace teams pass a run rate over expectation uh, spread game total uh you know scale of the qb for, for receiving all these things um but I'm not sure that, that, that there's like an equal weight uh, in, in all data points for some of these things like motivation. Uh, you know, motivation also isn't like a binary variable. I mean, there's different degrees of motivation. Uh, yeah, and then you touch on the sample size thing. I mean, we have one final week uh, of the season. I guess in some seasons, maybe there's a team that have multiple weeks of no motivation. For, for the most part, there's really one week like week 18 or week 17 per year. Um, you know, don't, don't really have that large of a sample. And uh, I don't know, I suppose you could collect data uh, on players, contract incentives, uh, standings and stuff. And under, you know, you could quantify, I guess, the motivation that way. But when you're talking about a, a huge kind of data acquisition undertaking, all, all these things make it, I think, very difficult to accurately or appropriately kind of uh, incorporate into a model that is distinctly different from, from what, you know, you use in uh, other weeks aside from this kind of one uh unique week right how i'm approaching it is very similar to like a week one type of situation like i think that the projections this week are the most fragile that that'll be all season and i'm be more inclined to play contrarian based on that that you know if if someone's motivation quote unquote is like the talk of the industry or whatever oh they're definitely going to get this guy a hundred yards. Like I'm expecting the ownership to go with it. And if I just assume that, that projections in general are going to be a little bit wider range of outcomes, I'm going to be more inclined to go with the, the lower owned, the, the lower owned wide receivers, the, you know, they, there's the $3,700 cheap receiver du jour because everyone's sitting and it's like, well, you could probably find three guys that look like that on other teams as well. Uh, that I think my total ownership of my lineups are going to be some of the lowest that they've been all season. And I'd be more inclined to, you know, basically just not play the chalk and hope it doesn't get there. And based on, on the projections that I see in our gridiron IQ on Roto Grinders, like nothing stands out. Like, and like we have higher projected running backs, but within one or two points of each other, there's like a, like 12. And then at the wide receiver position, like at a salary adjusted value, there's 
There's no one that has a higher plus minus than like two or three and two or three, two or three points for a receiver is one catch for 20 yards that I, I could, I think it's viable to play. You know, there's, there's, there could be 30 receivers viable on this slate. So I'm, I'm much more inclined this week to go against the grain. And of course I'm going to say that. And then all the chalk's going to hit, but, but that's, that's, that them's the breaks in GPP. But I don't really think based on these totals, is there really a chalk game? Yeah, not really. I mean, Arizona, Seattle, I suppose. Um, but you know, now with, with Edmonds being ruled out, I could see, uh, like, I, I, I guess my numbers coming in were that, you know, the Arizona, uh, like Kyler plus Earth stacks would be highly popular. Uh, could see though, you know, the Edmonds thing shifting more ownership to the run side of that game. Uh, yeah, no, I see, really. I see I mean, people pairing the whole thing together. I mean, yeah, I, th- sure. I think that's going to, I think Arizona is going to be the, the highest. I think Kyler, I, why can't you just go Kyler Connor Ertz? And then run yeah, that back can. with either one of Penny, Metcalf, or Lockett. They all project. I mean, from a from a projection standpoint, at least in our projections, they all project decently well. You could even play Christian Kirk. You could play Gerald Everett. I mean, you could you could play some of these guys. I mean, the only thing that I'm always concerned about is with Seattle is is Pete Carroll. So, do yeah. I want to play a chalk Pete Carroll game? Yeah, I, it's a fair question. I, so we, we, I wrote it up in the article last week uh, about Seattle. I, I feel like Seattle does play faster than people tend to give them credit for. Like, you know, they do have this reputation as being slow, real run heavy. Um, per our numbers, we, we have them as, you know, looking at average time elapsed between plays, like Seattle is towards the, I guess, bottom of the league in terms of time elapsed, meaning they're one of the faster teams. Um, it's not like they're passing at like an insane rate, but they're, they're not like a, uh, I don't know, you know, super run heavy team they're, they're, they're kind of balanced as far as their play selection goes. So um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I thought that was interesting. I know we've talked on the show about kind of Seattle being this really slow team, but uh, I don't know, per, per the numbers I'm looking at, uh, it's not like they're, appearing to be super, super slow uh, or anything. Um, I don't know. I, how, how would the, both these coaches propensity to uh, kick field goals on fourth and three? Yeah, that that's not a number we're tracking. Um, or at least I don't have it readily available in one of our apps. I think that actually is like an input for our kicker projections for. Yeah, but you have to understand stuff. from a ceiling, when you're thinking about ceiling, you would rather have teams that go for it on fourth down more often then you have, you know, people kicking field goals on the five yard line. Like that limits the amount of, you know, receiving and passing touchdowns or even rushing touchdowns that they could be in this game. It just 48 or 47 and a half total is the highest total on this slate, but it ain't that high in total. I mean, we go back to earlier this season, it would be like the sixth or seventh highest total on the slate that just because it is the highest total by, you know, two or three points. Why, why do I need to eat into, you know, we have Penny at 21% ownership. We got Metcalf and Lockett in the 14, 15% range. Ertz and Kirk in the double digits. Connor, obviously the ownership is going to have to be updated, but I expect Connor to be like 20% owned now. Uh, 
why do I want to run into? Because any combination I pretty much make of this game is going to be me pairing double digit own players together. Uh, I'm just I'm just giving you the the the, the variables that maybe that maybe they all reach their value, but from a ceiling perspective, the way that these teams typically play, the way that these coaches typically operate, like maybe, yeah, maybe Penny gets 16 fantasy points. Maybe Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf get a hundred. Maybe, maybe one of them does get a hundred yards and a touchdown, but that's still what that's 19 points, right? I mean, like 22 points, which is still fun, which is still great. I'm not saying it's not, but maybe there isn't anyone in this game that like, especially on a larger slate that you like have to have. And if you stack this game, you're going to be stacking pretty much the chalkiest game. I'm just trying to find reasons not to play it. And I think that playing the, I think playing the running backs as one-offs is a perfect way to hope that the stacks fail because these are definitely two running backs in Connor and Penny that if they get if they get 25 plus carries this this game ain't ain't an over right this game ain't going over 47 and a half yeah um yeah no that, that'll make sense i i our numbers kind of like the arizona side less less so with seattle um yeah like, i i see what you're saying the running backs would figure to be like they're, they're going to be chalky plays but the the stacks as well like the especially arizona like kyler Ertz kind of stacks will, will be popular too. So I guess, you know, maybe one approach could just be eat the chalk with Connor um, and, and fade kind of passing components of the game. That way you get your exposure to the game. That is the, you know, probably the strong, I don't want to say clearly, but probably the strongest game environment and, you know, let, I guess, other people miss on taking passing components you know, I, the value with, with Connor is going to be you know so strong that I think he can be a tournament winning piece, even if the game goes under uh, significantly. Um, so yeah, I could see that being a viable approach for sure. Are there any other, what games are on your radar outside of this game? Yeah. So we've got high scores on both uh, sides of the New Orleans and Atlanta game. Um, really, really, you know, re- really. That, that to me, that game was like almost like off the board completely. It, it, I mean, it's a, it's a concerningly low, uh, total. Um, but I, I mean, what's I, the combination? The, the problem with, see, the problem with this game is that I prefer the Saints side. Like I prefer yeah. Taysom Hill plus one, but I almost don't want to stack anything else. And like to me, Taysom Hill could get there on his own. That do I want to pair him with Kamara at 8,300? Do I want to pair him with any? I mean, like, just like no one. I'm looking at the Garcaran projections and like no one projects well. Like, yeah, like, it is. Like, I could see the I could see Taysom Hill as the quarterback fine, but all these other pieces just seem like, like, like who do I play? Yeah, that that um, that was kind of the thing that was, I guess, jumping out to me is that, you know like we we have a good score on the game, but I as looking at the pieces, it does become. Uh, like I'm not super excited to play any of these guys. I mean, I, I would probably look like Hill, Callaway, Gage, um, type uh, type stack. You know, keep it obviously small with Taysom Hill, given his uh, rushing propensity. Um, yeah, Kamara does feel pretty tough, uh, given I think just negative correlation between he and Hill. Even though he's a pass catching running back, you know, Hill 
being the productive goal line runner that he can be. Uh, you know, I do think there's neutral at best correlation, potentially negative there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, like Hill Callaway gauge, I think makes fine sense to me. Um, not, not super strong from a value standpoint, but, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not a, not ever a huge fan of playing like naked quarterbacks. Um, so that, that would be kind of the, the direction I would look. I mean, you could get away with like Olamide Zacchaeus on a cheap piece, but yeah, like, I'm just looking at this, like, what would I make this? What would I make this? Like, it seems like every piece that I could put on just lowers my projection, but of course the ownership goes along with it. I mean, we, this game is barely owned. I mean, like, so if this goes off and also it's indoors, it's in the dome in Atlanta, but I mean, it's also two bad teams. It's all, I mean, it's, it's also, a, it's also a 40 total. So a 40 yeah. total inside the dome doesn't, doesn't say that much. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, the, there's just a real shortage of, I mean, what we have one game over 45 this week, if I'm remembering correctly, there's like Detroit green bays at, um, what the second highest, right? And then you have the Arizona game. So I mean, so it's a lot, a lot of low total games on the slate. Um, you know, obviously, uh, 40, 40 total is not uh, something to get super excited about. But when there are a handful of games that are below forty, a uh, handful of games that are you know a point or two ahead of um, this game, uh, yeah, super going to be super low on teams. Um, they're they're just showing up with fairly strong scores uh, in, our, in our early runs. Uh, one game that I have as a plus currently is uh, Tampa Bay, Carolina. Brady plus Evans, Gronk, Grayson, maybe. Like, and then running it back with DJ Moore or possibly even Robbie Anderson. Uh, I mean, Tampa Bay's pass rate is, is high. Brady's probably, you know, motivation-wise going for the MVP. Uh, Antonio Brown isn't there anymore. I mean, I mean, he's gone. He's wackadoodle somewhere else. Uh, I don't necessarily see people paying 7100 for Mike Evans. I mean, it's not like these guys are going to be unowned. But I think more people will, will with uh, Ronald Jones out, take their shot on Keyshawn Vaughn at 5300 and I'm not, I'm not convinced that he's the guy. I'm not even, I'm not even convinced. I mean, like, I'm not even convinced that it's not going to be Levy and Bell or Kenjin Barner and that it's some timeshare at running back. And if Vaughn's going to be popular decently enough, like, why don't I just take a shot? Like, what can I go wrong by playing Tom Brady double stacks this year? Most of the time I'm going to be, I'm going to be good playing that stack. And if it's going to be a slate where it doesn't seem like many people are going there, uh why not do it they're playing in florida so i mean it's it's not gonna be as cold as the as, as the rest of the the games on the slate do, do you have tampa bay as a, as positive leverage yeah we have we have both these teams as kind of middling um i do think like the tampa numbers could be so like I, i'm trying to think of the teams we've discussed this we talked about i think with when aaron jones was out with green bay you know the, the notion that uh teams have kind of a, a coaches, I guess, have like a latent uh, pass rate propensity to pass. And that, uh, you know, sometimes that rate could be inflated when they are short pieces that are kind of usually a part of their offensive game plan. I'm not so sure that like Ronald Jones is a guy that Bruce Arians is, is scheming around or through per se. Uh, 
maybe not so much the way that Fournette was, but you, know, you could, there, there is, I think, a, a non-zero chance that say like Arian says, all right, well, you know, I have uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, who I don't love. I have Lev Bell, who's old and probably doesn't love. Maybe he does. I don't know. Um, you know, just, we're, we're just going to skew super pass heavy. Like we see like Buffalo, I think do this at times where they just play at a kind of a, uh, uh, I don't want to say tempo, but more just like a pass skew that is distinctly different from kind of the latent or observed uh, propensity to pass uh, in the past. I think there is a chance that we could see that with Tampa Bay that um, like our numbers aren't going to incorporate like some assumed elevated uh, pass rate. But I, I, I guess, you, you know, there's there's a fair chance that that could end up being the case. And uh, yeah, certainly like the Brady stacks are going to give you good leverage against Vaughn, if, if he gets uh, steamed in ownership, I, I am with you. I've been prefer like during this kind of Ronald Jones sequence, like I just, I don't really trust the, the Tampa Bay backfield and the, the kind of roles as being super clearly defined. So I do think for tournament purposes, like being underweight on assumed starting Tampa Bay running backs has, has been the approach that I've chosen to take. Um, think continues to, will continue to make sense uh, this weekend, even if, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn is kind of assumed to be the starter and it's not like he's like at an insane price discount um, you know the, the DraftKings has priced him up a little bit um, so yeah I think from a leverage standpoint it does make sense um, I mean another concerningly low game total though uh, I guess Tampa Bay has an implied total that's significantly higher than say the Saints um, but yeah per our numbers we have them as kind of a middling stack how about uh, very similar to the Brady doubles, the team with the highest implied team total on the slate is Buffalo, 28 and a half. They're facing the team with the lowest implied team total, the Jets. Uh, I'm not necessarily saying that you should play any Jets because if Crowder's back, that kind of takes away like Braxton Berrios. Like the Jets are getting healthier, but that doesn't mean anything because they're horrible. Uh Josh Allen double stacks. We have Emmanuel Sanders, who's now doubtful. So that kind of eliminates a kind of a guy out of their passing tree. Like, like Stefan Diggs has not been worth 7,800 this year, but like, why can't I play uh, Allen Beasley Davis or Dawson Knox? I mean, to me, I view Josh Allen the same way that I view Tom Brady, like double stacks. Obviously Allen has a bit more rushing upside, uh, and they're playing the Jets for crying out loud. I mean, like, like why, why, why aren't, why aren't I just because Singletary is going to be owned at six thousand, but like Beasley, Diggs, and Davis, like the receivers don't really project that well for Buffalo, but they have a twenty-eight and a half implied team total. So, like Josh Allen projects well, just a matter of like where where do the touchdowns go, and they could be spread out in Buffalo. But I don't necessarily, I, I really, I don't necessarily see the, the Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen himself will be more owned than Tom Brady, but I'm not sure like Beasley, Diggs, Davis, Knox. I just, I just, who, who's going to be the chalk between those guys? Like, I just, I don't see any of these guys getting more than 10% owned. So why not just play Buffalo without any runbacks and just hope they win 42 to three. Yeah. I, we, we've got a, a positive score on Buffalo. Um, they're standing out with 
kind of Arizona is, was one of the, I mean, they're, they're two of the higher owned stacks, but I think two of the relatively high owned stacks that are worth, um, I think being a bit overweight on. And yeah, I mean, just looking at the player specific ownership numbers, not seeing huge ownership on individual pieces of Buffalo. I think it's really, uh, you know, just this, the uh, Singletary and I guess Josh Allen should catch a, a little bit of ownership, but like, it's not, I mean, quarterback, none of these guys are really at like a preventatively high um, ownership level. So uh, yeah, I think Buffalo makes good sense. Um, what is, I'm not that familiar with like where they are in the standings and is there any risk of Allen? No, I think they need, the I think they, they want to win. I think they want to, okay. I think they're in the playoffs, but with like a Seeding. higher seed or something. Right. I yeah, mean, got they it. have motivation to play. Yes. Right. I believe. And I mean, we've seen Allen even get there in three quarters. Uh, you know, it's ooh, Buffalo can really just uh, bar, you know, blow out some of these weaker opponents. So um, yeah, I, I think Buffalo makes plenty of sense. We, we've got a, a slightly positive kind of score on them, but uh, I, I would be pretty interested in playing. Uh, that stack over some of these more like we have we have positive scores on just like really really low owned teams that uh, i'm not sure make much sense uh probably are just like noisy outcomes and simulations that you know could shift over the weekend do you have another game that's a plus in your mind um let's see is looking i wanted to ask you about one game in particular i don't know if you had a plus or minus so 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 there's one that i've got like a relatively you know, uh, a decent plus on one side and like a big minus on the other side. And that's Baltimore Pittsburgh. Um, I've got like, yeah, a I'm, I'm, assu- I'm, assu- I'm assuming, uh, Stewart, that you got a big minus on the Baltimore side. Uh, vice, no, vice versa. I got, oh, okay. big minus, big I, I, minus. I don't know if you, when you say minus, is it, uh, top, it's top stack potential or are you talking about versus ownership? I think Tyler Huntley is going to be very popular this week Interesting. so like that's why like in reverse like i have in projection wise i have guys like claypool and harris higher projected but ben roethlisberger poorly projected i have huntley as the quarterback higher projected but like bateman and brown and andrews and all those type of guys like poorly project. it's one of those situations where like i think the quarterback is going to end up dragging some of this, this other, the, the other Ravens ownership with him, which will make it negative leverage. But I could see how, from a from a from a probabilistic standpoint, that they would rank like in the top half, like how Baltimore could could be up there, but maybe maybe a little, I, I'm, I'm I'm questioning the owner. If Huntley's going to be owned, I'd see Bateman and Marquise Brown ga- gaining gaining more ownership. We have, we have Bateman yeah. currently now at like 14% ownership and Huntley may be like, Huntley may be at, end up at 15% ownership. I mean, like, like from an ownership perspective, I, I have a problem with it ownership wise, not necessarily on like top stack potential, especially with Ben Roethlisberger throwing four yard passes 58 times. Like, is this going to turn into a shootout? I, I, I don't think so. Yeah. Well, so I don't, we don't have like a huge, uh, you know, real high ownership projection for Huntley. Um, well, cause the, the news I, just came out cause Lamar got ruled out like about 45 minutes ago. Okay. So, like, gotcha. so, so you're not going to see that in the right. That that's, 
That's the point I made before we started recording. I saw Lamar is now officially out. So like okay. all of our stuff doesn't doesn't even have an ownership projection for Huntley. Yeah, it. because it's going to have to be updated. But at his price, like he's going to be popular. Yeah, yeah. Um, that would make sense. I mean, we have him at like 3% ownership. And uh, yeah, just given his rushing floor, that um, seems unlikely to hold. Um, we've got a low like just like a industry aggregate projection on Huntley. So that, that might be some like uh, divergence in, I don't know, belief of who's, who's starting and who's not. Um, so that, that could be up for movement. I mean, I, I, I just sense that Pittsburgh will be very heavily owned, you know, with Deontay Johnson being out, I think like Claypool uh, and even Ray, Ray, Ray McLeod are going to be super popular. And uh, yeah, but they only have an 18.75. I mean, they have an, they don't even have a high, like team total yeah no i mean and it's I, ben I, roethlisberger throwing the ball. right no 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 i i i have pittsburgh as as kind of a strong minus in baltimore as the plus um like i i would like to be underweight on i don't want to say chalk but but very popular uh claypool mcleod roethlisberger stacks uh just given yeah their their quarterback the pace at which they play um as it stands now, we, we've got, you know, a good plus on Baltimore and kind of strong minus on Pittsburgh. Uh, seems like that could move around, though, as we you know update our numbers and, and rerun uh, our simulations. Right. I have, I have a minus on both sides. I mean, like. Only only because only because I think Huntley is going to be more on than that. What, what are your what are your thoughts? What do you have? The interesting game to me that I'm looking at. Is Chicago, Minnesota. Obviously, they're playing in Minnesota, so that's inside in the Dome. Minnesota has a 24.75 implied team total. The Bears are like 19. But, like, Cook projects well. Jefferson projects well. Then Montgomery is okay. Mooney is not bad. Komet is okay at tight end. Like, like, why can't I do something like Cousins, Jefferson, Conklin, Mooney, you like something like that? Why can't Andy Dalton for crying out loud? Like, why, why not take it? It's kind of weird to say. Why can't I play Dalton Mooney Comet Cook or Dalton Mooney Comet Jefferson or something, something like that? And the it's not like the ownership is really there. Jefferson is probably going to be owned. Cook is going to be decently owned. Montgomery, whatever. I mean, double digit. Comet may be a popular punt tight end, but. Like I don't, I just don't see people stacking this game with either Cousins or Dalton. I yeah I so our our num our numbers suggest that there this game should get a decent bit of traction from the Minnesota side, mo mostly just because Jefferson is going to be quite popular. Uh, to but me, it's all one off. Like I view this game as like I see people playing one offs from this game, but I don't see people playing Cousins or Dalton or play this as a game stack. Why? Yeah. So like what, what just kind of mental model for you? Like how, how do you distinguish these uh, I guess, popular one-offs that are likely to be played as one-offs as opposed to uh, a, a clearly strong kind of pass catcher that uh, people are going to be inclined to stack up. Is it just like a value proposition from the quarterback? Um, yeah. Value proposition. And also, you know, just a psychological people don't like, do you want to play Kirk Cousins? No one ever wants to play Kirk Cousins, but he does get there sometimes and no one wants to play Andy Dalton. So like, yeah. like all these pieces project, well, I can see people playing them as secondary stacks 
Jefferson on one side, Mooney on the other, or something like something like that. But like, if we're going to see guys like Huntley and and Taysom Hill, some of these those cheaper quarterbacks, like they're playing indoors. I mean, this it's still a low probability, but like if if I'm considering playing Mooney plus Jefferson in a lineup, like why not just stack it up and play Dalton and Komet and just just go for it. And as as yeah. as we say that, I just we just got news uh, that Deontay Johnson has been activated from the COVID list, mm. so I'm oh. assuming he's going to be playing, which makes uh, which which makes the Pittsburgh stacks even less desirable. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, the, the but that's what, but but I wondered like what what do you have? I could see the Chicago side being low in 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 your in your model, but Minnesota has a fairly healthy team total twenty five yeah. four point seven five that. But I don't cousins may be one percent owned. Like like Jefferson may be twenty-two percent owned, Cook may be eighteen percent owned, and Cousins is gonna sit there at like one point five percent ownership. And it's like, well, why can't I just play Cousins plus Jefferson plus Conklin? And the Vikings go off, then like Cousins is a cheap enough quarterback and he'll get there. Yeah, uh, the Minnesota side to me looks pretty strong i have them like a, a you know just below buffalo as far as one of these uh i i think i think cousins i would expect he gets more than one like one percent ownership no, i no, I, I don't think so i don't okay. think so if i mean if, if he's one percent owned uh, i think it it looks like a, an extremely strong play um i think even at like a higher ownership point uh i still be interested in playing the minnesota side chicago i to me, like they, they project well from a value standpoint. Um, I, I do have some concerns about the ceiling of, um, I guess, the Chicago side with, with Dalton at quarterback. Uh, not that, you know, Komet at his price point or Darnell Mooney can't get there as like a bring back of, of a Minnesota stack, but um, or even David Montgomery. But uh, I, I would be a little concerned about trying to go like a Dalton double or, you know, even, I don't know, Dalton single, I, I would prefer to attack this game through, through the Minnesota side. Um, and I, you know, obviously I think Chicago feels like a team you would want to bring back uh, with Minnesota, as opposed to like the jets where I'm, you know, I think happy to just not bring back any jets, but I, I we, we've got positive numbers for, for Minnesota. Uh, not so much though for Chicago. One game that I'm considering staying away from completely is uh, Packers-Lions. I'm going to get there. I think the Packers, like, I think the starters play the first half and then they don't. And, like, that's, to me, that's the worst situation for rostering anyone in DFS. Like, I'd rather them either not play or play the whole game. So if Devontae Adams is going to play, you know, to get, get his, get his like, uh, single-season record for the franchise, like, yeah, he'll get he'll go three for 30 with a touchdown and then sit. Right. So it's like, so why are you gonna pay up for that? And then it's like, well, why don't you play try to play Equinemius St. Brown, like some 3K receiver? If they sit Lazard and MVS in the second half, it's like, well, I'm not gonna pay for just guys that are gonna be on the field for pretty much the second half of the game. And then you get the Lions and they're horrible. So like, like I don't know how you're accounting for situations like that, but like if, if, if the Packers line up with their starters, I, I can't possibly see them playing the entire game and they're priced as if they're going to play the entire game. 
but then I still can't play the other guys because they're not going to play the entire game. So, yeah, is it odd for me to just like almost cross this game out completely? No, not at all. We've got low grades on this game. I mean, our our approach is, you know, I I don't know if it's an oversimplification or if uh, trying to be more complex about it is a mistake, but really just estimating probability or kind of expected value of proportion of game played by by these different players and you know multiplying their their projection and their floor and ceiling or kind of their distribution of projections through that expected kind of proportion of game played and uh yeah you know the green bay side in particular is priced up as if you're going to get a full game which uh you know maybe you will but it it feels somewhat unlikely at this point i think we have like um like a two-thirds proportion on uh, these Green Bay guys as of now. And that and that might even be generous, you know. The uh, last game I wanted to touch on is uh, Rams 49ers. We got Cooper Cup, 9,700 on DraftKings. I don't expect him to be all that popular. But, I mean, he'll still be popular enough. But, I mean, it's not going to be one of these, these – he's going to be 35% owned type of weeks. Uh, why not play Stafford plus Cup plus Higby? Yeah, it's and run really... it back with Eli Mitchell or something. Like my 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 concern in this game is there may be a lot of rushing, and Stafford has not looked good like the past couple of games. I know I'm just putting in like not look good is not incorporated to the model. But, you know, when you throw – when you, you win the game and yet you're still throwing three interceptions, like that's not good for, for ceiling. I don't want any interceptions. You need to maintain possession of the ball. Uh, but if you're going to play for a big Cooper Cup game, like that's totally correlative to Stafford. And if I don't think Stafford's going to be that owned. Like it's one of these games where I feel like if I play Eli Mitchell as the run back, the Rams don't get there for their ceilings. And then it feels yeah. like, is there anyone to play? Do I play Kittle as a run back? Debo is way overpriced, I think. Or do I just play the Rams without any run back at all? It seems, but it just, to me, Eli Mitchell is that key of, if Eli Mitchell has a 30 point fantasy point game, like none of my Rams got there. Right. Yeah, we so we've got negative, pretty strong negative score actually on the Los Angeles side. But you know, I'm looking at kind of the individual like uh, leverage scores on on the pieces on the side, and we actually do like Cup a decent bit. Um, so I, I do find it perplexing that kind of on aggregate we're we're pretty low on the Ram side, yet at, at kind of the micro level, we seem to to like Cup, um, seem to like Sony Michelle. Um, so I, I guess like to me, those numbers suggest our kind of prescribed approach would just be take take one-off pieces um, of this game. It, it, uh, it, it does feel like, you know, while I like kind of individually Michelle or Cup uh, or Eli Mitchell, the, the pieces don't really combine together in like a very functional way. Like obviously Michelle Mitchell is, I don't think, playable across from one another. Um, and I tend to agree with you, you know, Cup, Cup versus Mitchell, just at, at Cup's price point, uh, if the game gets slowed down, uh, to, to any extent, you know, it's going to be really tough for him to, to pay off value at 9,700. Um, I think for me, I, I would just prefer to take 
the running backs in this game as as one-offs you know just slot in michelle or or uh eli mitchell uh obviously not together um and yeah the san francisco side like i i think you know lance again looks like decent value but it, it, you know you kind of struggle with like who to play him with just given how expensive expensive uh debo samuel is you know i i guess kittle could be one direction to go to but um we have kind of the san francisco side as neutral to slightly negative uh not a game i'm terribly interested in from from either side uh one 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 game we skipped by accident colts jaguars the Colts have right now almost, I mean, they may have the highest implied team total on the slate. Uh, but really, it's from a projection standpoint, it's all coming through Jonathan Taylor. Is this, is this, is this a situation where the passing attack could be the positive? From a leverage standpoint, playing a Wentz-Pittman type of lineup, because all these other guys don't project that well. They spread the ball out. Uh, they're playing in Jacksonville on the road. Uh, Jonathan, but Jonathan Taylor is going to be owned. And like, do I want to play anyone on the Jacksonville side? Like at 9,300, Jonathan Taylor, I mean, if you, he's going to severely handicap your lineup with that price tag. But what, what do you, what do your tools show as far as the Colts from a stack perspective? Because to me, if like Jonathan, if they have a nearly 30 point implied total and Jonathan Taylor is going to be like the only one in double digit owned on the Colts, why don't I want to take a shot on the Colts scoring their four touchdowns through the air? Yeah, so we have the the Colts as the highest, um, I guess, propensity to appear in the top 1% um, of lineups. And just looking at some of like the other numbers that we post in our sub stack, there, the the value, I guess, of, of cold stacks is appearing to be fairly middling, like not super impressive, but but their their ceiling value, uh, we're, we're projecting to be quite high, um, you know, really second only to uh, Arizona, and yeah, I mean the, the 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 leverage point that you mentioned, you know, Jonathan Taylor, like, um, you know, you, by by stacking up wins. Pittman figure to be kind of the obvious guys. I, I think, uh, you know, I'd even be interested in taking like Mo Alley Cox, uh, typically like, you know, stacking tight ends with the quarterback, uh, not, not so much forcing it, but, you know, the spots where it makes sense. Um, you know, these guys who have the potential to, to get a crucial touchdown and, um, you know, I think goal line or kind of red zone green zone type guys like Mo Alley Cox are you know going to have natural negative correlation with Taylor. So, uh, yeah, like, like the Colts a lot, uh, Jacksonville, we have as, you know, mid middling to, to kind of negative, uh, score kind of in like the San Francisco, uh, tier. I don't think like, I'm not, I don't know that you have to stay away from Jackson guys the same way. Uh, I feel like about the jets per se, but, uh, uh, certainly don't feel obligated to bring back a Jacksonville guy, uh, with, with Wentz stacks, but, um, yeah, I think Indianapolis looks super strong from a ceiling standpoint, even though, you know, the value projection uh, isn't super strong uh, outside of really Pittman. And you'll be put, putting out your, even, even though with uh, some of these late COVID additions and injury stuff, 
you'll be putting out your your Substack, uh, I'm assuming later today or tomorrow. Yeah, we'll do the Substack tomorrow morning uh, with the news we have as of this evening. Um, and then we'll update close to lock. Won't be rewriting the article, but uh, you know we can republish the tables um, that have kind of information that that informs that article. Because uh, yeah, it is going to be in, uh, a somewhat wacky week, uh, depending on how these different teams announce who's playing and who's not, or uh, relative plans for you know pulling or resting guys uh, after some period or under some kind of conditions of. of taking a lead or what have you um so yeah we'll, we'll have that out saturday and kind of update through the weekend uh leading up to to lock uh, with this being our last show of the year of the season uh what do you what are you guys at asa doing uh during during the playoffs and and beyond that uh outside of uh, nfl football yeah so we'll we'll you know run kind of operations through the playoffs uh slate specific projections uh i think we'll, we'll continue to do the weekly sub stacks leading up to the super bowl uh i i enjoy the playoffs um i kind of like the small small slate stuff um yeah and then we have nba projections that are live uh you know i know we talked about at the top of the show uh legalized sports betting here in new york which is where i'm i'm based out of we do we will have uh, you know, player prop tools for, for NBA and NFL. Those have been running all year, um, have been using those a decent bit on some of these. Uh, I, I don't really know how some of these, these sites uh, operate in New York as like seemingly sports books, but kind of fantasy platforms. But uh, that, that's, that's been kind of fun. And I think, uh, you know, tools that, that I've enjoyed using and, uh, you know, would encourage people to check out if they are looking to do some player prop stuff um we'll have that running yeah through the playoffs uh as well so and, and you'll have baseball out. come out april uh yeah that's the plan um you know uh baseball coming out april projections um we don't do like ownership and stuff for baseball but uh projections you know our dashboard type tools with uh you know visualizations sortable stats like with some of the stat cast stuff um yeah the plan is to do that uh, for april as well and you could get all of that at advancedsportsanalytics.com. You could follow them at AS Analytics DFS. You could follow Stuart, Start Gibson. You could follow me at Blender HD. And uh, and yeah, so that that's it for the that's it for the season. That's it. That's it forever. We're done forever. We're done finally, <laughs> right? But hopefully, we'll be back next season and uh, talking more about stacks, about correlations, about leverage, about everything to win your large field GPPs on another edition of the Advanced Sports Analytics Show on rotogrinders.com.